Arlington police say protests Monday remain generally peaceful, but say there were, quote, several agitators. Send me another unit, please. Send me another unit. A movement, I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. All right, welcome back to Into the Fray. BLM and their wannabe followers have struck again, this time in a town on the north border of South Carolina. What instigated this wanton display of arson and assault with deadly weapons? Why, an arrest. Nobody died. Nobody got shot. Two men broke the law, and they were arrested for it. They fought the officers and were forcibly detained. No excuse is too small. From WCCB Charlotte, officers say they were conducting surveillance on June 23rd when at 1.56 p.m. they saw Ricky Price a known offender, driving a black 2017 Mustang on Dave Lyle Boulevard. Police say Price was pulled over after making an illegal turn and changing lanes unlawfully. Price then pulled his Mustang into a gas station on Willowbrook Avenue and began moving around the vehicle out of officers' view, according to a news release. Officers say they called for a canine to conduct a vehicle sniff, based on prior interactions with Price. After a canine alerted officers to the presence of illegal narcotics inside the car, Price was asked to step out of the vehicle. Officers say they found two bags of marijuana hidden under the driver's door panel and a 9mm pistol in the back seat of the car during their search. Officers say they placed Price under arrest and into handcuffs. Okay, so far so good. Legally stopped for a traffic violation. Illicit drugs were found. Suspect taken into custody without incident. A job well done. Then this happens. During their search, police say Price's brother, Travis Price, arrived at the scene and approached officers. Travis Price attempted to gather the belongings that officers were removing from his brother's person, but was told to move back. Police say Travis Price bumped the officers backwards with his body and continued to reach for belongings, while yelling belligerently. At this point, Police placed Travis Price under arrest for interfering and making physical contact with officers. While officers attempted to arrest Travis Price, he refused to put his hands behind his back and shoved them again. Officers say they pushed Travis Price against a large tank and a struggle ensued between officers and the suspect. Police say Travis Price went to the ground while officers were attempting to gain control of the situation. During this time, Other officers were collecting jewelry from Ricky Price to be passed on to someone else on the scene for safekeeping. When officers removed Ricky Price's handcuffs to help with this, he attempted to flee and threw several punches at them, according to a news release. Police say they deployed a canine to gain compliance, with the handlers maintaining control of the police dog, as Ricky Price continued to resist arrest. Several officers and Ricky Price fell to the ground in the parking lot as Price fought to escape police. One officer punched Ricky Price's leg on the common perineal nerve to get the situation under control, but the strike had no effect. Ricky Price was then punched in the nose, which caused him to bleed, and was quickly apprehended, according to a news release. Officers were able to take both Price brothers into custody at this time. How'd that pan out for you? Legal stop, 
Legal search. Legal arrest. Idiot brother starts a fight and now you're both going to jail. And so much the worse for the wear. This is what mom had to say. From Fox 46 Charlotte. He just was just kicking my son and then he was hitting him and, and then my other son, he just came and asked what happened, what was going on, and then the police started fighting him. I just don't understand. You don't understand how police could use force to arrest two men who are physically attacking them? The cops weren't toying with these men. This wasn't a mob-style pleasure beating. This was an arrest. Well, technically two. Hot tip. If your child is a repeat offender, known to police, uses or traffics drugs, and is inclined to fight cops, and you just can't understand how this could happen to your baby, you might want to reconsider whatever school of discipline you're subscribed to and closely evaluate your parental choices. If you're under arrest, the cops are going to arrest you. If you resist, they're going to take steps to break through your resistance. It's not like, oh, well, I mean, well, we can't use any more force, so uh, I guess we just let him go? No, you're going to get arrested. And the more you resist, the more unpleasant the experience will be. The voice of reason came from Walter Bowers, former law enforcement officer and civil rights attorney. You got to get past your emotions and you got to ask all the questions. You got to walk through the factors. First and foremost, were they um, lawfully detained at that moment, right? Uh, were they under arrest at that moment? So the body cameras should be able to give us uh, some, some clearer information as it, as it relates to body positions, what was being said, what they were being detained for, and things of that nature. That. That is the proper way to assess these situations. The real party started very soon after the arrests, when hundreds of rioters descended on the police station. The front lawn of the police station was lit on fire and burned up to the building. Police were struck with bottles and rocks, and reportedly, several cars were burned as well. From WIS News 10, I kid you not, these two sentences appear one after the other in their report. The video sparked protests Wednesday night with members of the community setting fire to the grass outside the police station. Protesters chanted Thursday that they are tired of being beaten in the street. They say they are there to protest peacefully. Yes, blocking an intersection after committing arson. So peaceful. If you want to be taken seriously as peaceful protesters, you first have to turn against the violent and arson-inclined members of your group. Until you do that, you're just providing cover. In other words, you're an accomplice to violent crime. One of the problems is that these protests have turned into block parties. In the local news reports, you can hear people playing loud music and doing burnouts in their cars. If you didn't see the abomination that was the Oakland riot the other night, they shot some people, and then they blocked the responding ambulances, dancing on top of them and twerking against the sides. When did grinding against a stranger while pushed up against the side of an emergency response vehicle become a protest? This is agitation. That's all. On the ground, this isn't ideological. It's a social event. Some people go to movies, some people go to house parties, and some people loiter around an intersection watching their friends riot and burn stuff. The purpose of agitation is, and always has been, destabilization. It's nearly impossible to wrest power from a stable society. These riots threaten the stability of city governments and local law enforcement. 
You know what happens when city governments become ineffectual and law enforcement fail? Society comes apart at the seams. You know why there's no grocery stores in crime-infested areas? They can't successfully operate. They can't get insurance. Sometimes they can't even get truckers to deliver. Now play that out on the grander scale, on a city-wide scale. Criminals know they face no effective opposition, and businesses can't or refuse to operate. We're seeing it happen around the country. You think somebody's going to be able to get a loan to start a business in Minneapolis? Let's take another step back. You think anyone wants to try to start a business in Minneapolis now? How about Portland? Portland looks real business-friendly right now, don't they? To one degree or another, this madness has hit every major city in the U.S., and now it's starting to infect smaller ones. Rock Hill, South Carolina, the little place we've been talking about, is a town of 76,000 people, not exactly a New York or a Seattle. Elizabeth City, North Carolina, where they rioted for days over a man who was shot while, allegedly, trying to hit officers with his vehicle. Population, 18,000. The nearest big city to Elizabeth City, North Carolina, is Norfolk, Virginia, an hour away. This infection is spreading. Do you think these places recover? There's a town not far from where I grew up. It was a bustling, thriving city until it flooded several decades ago. It's still dead. There are people there, and there are a few businesses there. But the town never recovered. It's poverty-stricken and wasted away. The businesses that died were dead, and most of the ones that could be revived left. Now imagine that on the scale we're looking at today. Every major city, and all too many of the smaller towns. If these geniuses comprehended for one moment that their actions had real potential to result in the end of their cell phone service, serious interruptions in their water, their sewer, they'd go home, and they'd beat the living piss out of any friends who refused to leave. But they don't comprehend that. They've bought into the narrative that the media is pushing. These lies that foment enmity, which then foments hate which then foments violence. Agitation is the first step to destabilization. Destabilization creates helplessness. Helplessness creates desperation. Desperation, on a grand scale, leads to poor decision-making, reliance on anyone who says they can relieve the suffering if only they're given the power to do it, and then the rise of political atrocities. So, how about we stop burning our cities? Till next time, be informed, stay safe, don't do anything stupid. 